I'm Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 143. And this week, it's Terry's turn to share something with us. Terry, what have you got for us today? Well, Daisy, I was looking for something a little different than some of the podcasts that I usually share with you and, you know, just started going through and it gives some recommendations based on what you listen to. Here are some other thoughts and took me a while, but I pulled one up that's called Motivation by Brendan Burchard. I don't know a lot about him, but I did listen to one of his books a couple of months ago And so I feel like this is a a good topic or a good resource. He is basically a best-selling New York Times author. His latest book is called High Performance Habits. He has done so much in business and leadership. He's won tons of awards, been, you know, touted highly from Oprah Winfrey and all of these other people. So... I thought, well, I should probably listen to his book. And I really did like it. One of the challenges I have with his stuff, though, is I feel like I have to extrapolate it a little bit because it's very kind of entrepreneurial focused. Like, how can you um, market to your audience better? How can Mm. you get more leads? These kind of things. And, you know, that's not what I'm looking for in my personal development. But I do think a lot of his themes are very transferable to just living our lives in the way we want to live our life, you know, feeling good about ourselves, um, accomplishing our goals, things like that. So that's the slant that I listen to him from. The podcast is called Motivation with Brendan Burchard. And this episode is called I Had Self-Hate Too. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. well, there's, there's a little gem. And if you follow Brendan Burchard at all, have read any of his books or follow him, one of the things you know pretty quickly is that I think he was 19 at the time, but his high school sweetheart, I think they were engaged. Um, She cheated and it was a very bad breakup for him. And he got to a point where he was suicidal. And I don't remember the whole story about what kind of pulled him out of that, but So he went from being this broken-hearted, suicidal guy to being this person who teaches people how to succeed and build the lives they want and build the careers they want. So I really do think he's quite impressive. So I went back to this episode on having self-hate, and I thought, well, I'll listen to this. He talked about the idea that many of us create some self-hate or we carry some self-hate disrespect for ourselves, things like that. Sometimes it's because of something that someone else said or did that told us that we're not worthy. So for example, in his life, his sweetheart choosing to have a relationship with someone else and ending their engagement, you know, he interpreted that as meaning basically I'm not lovable. Mm. I'm not worth being faithful to. And so, you know, leading to some self-hate. And also talked about um, sometimes some of us carry self-hate or disrespect for ourselves because of mistakes that we've made, things that we've done that we would consider wrong or that we know are wrong. So he says, you know, 
having this self-hate or this negative self, uh, this lack of worth really interferes for us in achieving goals and living the life we want to live and feeling good. This is a pretty brief episode, but he really just talked about three basic ways to work on this. The first one being forgiveness, the second one being resetting of expectations, and the third one, realignment of integrity. So when he first started talking about forgiveness, I think most of us have heard, you know, discussions of forgiveness before that it's not about letting the other person off the hook or justifying what they've done if they've harmed you or injured you or hurt you in some way. But forgiveness, the way he just said it, it's really letting go of the emotional talons that are still holding on. And and it just made me picture, I don't know, an eagle or a falcon or something Mm -hmm. carrying its prey around with these talons in it. Yeah. So that forgiveness element is more about you letting go of it rather than necessarily, like you say, letting them off the hook or even sort Mm -hmm. of even really forgiving them. It's forgiving them into the extent that you can let go of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's really... It may be more, but you know, that's the crux. That's the important bit that he's talking about. It's almost letting yourself off the hook, letting Mm. yourself off the hook from having to carry the emotional burden. Still going to carry the lesson learned. I'm still going to carry the memory. I don't have to forget but I'm not going to carry the emotional baggage from that person's behavior. And I think the other piece of forgiveness that is important is, well, what if we're talking about it's not what someone else did to me, it's me. Can I forgive myself? Can I acknowledge that wasn't the greatest decision I made? I learned, I paid the price or whatever, and I'm going to, again, release that emotional kind of bondage from that experience. So I think forgiveness really is an important part because if if we're holding on to that emotional uh, burden of someone else's deed or our own deed, it's hard to feel good about moving forward. It's hard to invest in ourselves. It's hard to do things that are difficult when you're seeing yourself as somehow not worthy. So forgiveness, I do, I agree with him. I think that's a big step. The next one he talked about is changing our expectations. And he talked a bit in this section about perfectionism. And he talked about how many times people who are perfectionists will say to themselves or others, I'm not doing that yet because I haven't perfected it. Or I've got to have the perfect plan. And you might recognize, (laughs) yeah, you might recognize yourself. Yeah. But he said, really, Perfectionism in that way is really just not doing it. It's sitting on the edge of it, looking at it, and almost being afraid of the risk of doing it imperfectly, finding out how it's going to go, not being perfect, facing the vulnerability of it. So really this idea that if our expectation is that I have to be perfect at doing it, I have to wait until I have the perfect plan. We're not going to get started. We're not going to make any directional move forward. And that will keep us in that kind of self-hate place. Well, of course, that's why it's what goes hand in hand with procrastination, isn't it? Absolutely. Procrastination isn't just you being lazy. It's mm-hmm. usually because you've got this need for 
being perfect before you're prepared to start doing it. Yeah. Once you actually let me start doing it, you yeah. quite need for control. Break through, yeah. If I control everything that's going to happen, then it'll be fine. And the reality is we can't control everything. He shared kind of the idea that self-hate is really made worse by being stagnant and not doing what you need or want. Because by taking action, we get feedback. We get reinforcement. We can self-correct. If we don't get the feedback we need, we can self-correct. Mm. If we get the feedback we want, it's motivation. It gets the momentum going to do more. So if I have a plan and I do one day of it and I get feedback that that worked, it's going to inspire me to do day two and day three. Mm. But it's the not getting started, that stagnation that is is really the most complicated. So by changing our expectations of ourselves, we really can change that and get going. We can start and then we can get the feedback that we need to build that momentum. You know, he described kind of, you know, each day you can do some of it. You don't have to do all of it. You don't have to do perfect, but you can do some of it. Show up, learn. His books really focus on learning and growth, that this is what prompts people to be really successful is their desire to learn and grow. And then he said for himself, as far as expectations, now you have to imagine this guy is, he's a high performance coach. I hate to even think of what a session <laughs> would cost to work with him. He is, I'm sure, paid so much to come and talk to an organization or to consult. And his expectations for himself, he said, is really most days his three expectations are this show up, bring some joy, do your best. Not go start another million dollar company today. Mm. Go perfect this. No, show up, bring some joy and do your best. And I really thought about that. And boy, if I changed my expectation level, I think I could get some good feedback from doing those three things and then kind of get the momentum going. And then the third one, as I said, is about kind of aligning and focusing on your integrity, aligning your life and what you value. And in the beginning of this part, he talked about the game of golf. And he said one of the reasons he loves golf is that you get a new scorecard every day. <laughs> every time you play golf, it's a clean slate. You start fresh. And he said, if you really think about your life this way every day, but what many of us get hung up on is, oh, the last time I tried this, this happened. Or mm, yesterday didn't go so well. And we start to hold ourselves back. We put up those barriers versus it's a new day, new scorecard. Start fresh. And going back to the integrity piece, he said, and this is a theme that I talk about a lot in my work, the integrity piece being honoring your word. If you say you're going to do it, do it. Mm. But obviously, this means you have to set realistic expectations. Because if you set unrealistic expectations, you're not going to be able to do them, which puts you out of integrity with yourself, which again, gets us back into that self-hate, self-disrespecting kind of place. So if you honor your word and do what you say you're going to do, if you say, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes today, come hell or high water, you walk for 10 minutes that day. Mm. You don't have to do three hours. Honor the realistic expectation. Yeah, that's where the, it goes back in, doesn't it? With the second one, 
mm -hmm. resetting those expectations. But like you say, you've got to put them at a level that you can actually do. Mm -hmm. Or you're just setting yourself up to fail. And then you damage the integrity aspect of it, which then feeds back in negatively. And could even tie into the first one. You don't forgive yourself for that. Mm, exactly. I failed. I haven't followed yeah. through on what I said. I'm I'm a loser. You know, we hear people saying things like this to themselves. Mm. And you really just talked about this kind of loop that really it builds back in self-care, taking care of you as part of this process, and self-respect, which obviously then can help move out of a place of self-hate or disrespecting yourself and move back into this place where you feel positively enough about yourself and able to value what's going to happen today and coming days as far as growth and learning to just keep improving, but moving, keeping moving forward. So very brief episode, but I thought just three great ways to think about this to really kind of combat the self-hate, the negative inside to work on forgiveness, resetting your expectations and realignment of your integrity. It's so interesting because just earlier today, I read the newsletter that comes out on Thursdays from James Clear. As you know, I'm a fan of his stuff and I know for sure that you are. His newsletters are one of the ones that I do read. It's quite quick and brief. The format is that there are three ideas from him, a couple of quotes from somebody else. It's three, two, one. Three ideas from him, two quotes from others, and then one question for you. He poses usually quite a challenging question. But his third idea, which I immediately thought of when we were talking about just make a start this problem with perfectionism and procrastination, this is what he says. Finish something, anything. Stop researching, planning and preparing to do the work and just do the work. It doesn't matter how good or bad it is. You don't need to set the world on fire with your first try. You just need to prove to yourself that you have what it takes to produce something. There are no artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, or scientists who became great by half finishing their work. Stop debating what you should make and just make something. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's timing, huh? Exactly. Isn't it funny how that happens? But yes, I, I literally read that a few hours ago. So I immediately thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is super congruent with this message. And mm. he said something else in this episode that I thought was interesting. Again, much of his focus is on, you know, business leaders, people creating new businesses and entrepreneurs and things. But he said, you know, oftentimes people have a misperception that people who are at the top of their game in businesses, that they just spend their whole day innovating and doing these set the world on fire tasks. Mm. And he said, in reality, I can't remember if he said 60% one way or 40 the other, but that was the breakdown. Either 40 or 60% of their time is spent on administrative tasks, assigning who's going to do something, emailing back, like nothing setting the world on fire, but still necessary tasks to just move the business forward. 
Mm. Only part of their time is in these grand things that we all might imagine. Like you said, an artist does a lot of painting or whatever their medium is. Everything they do and every stroke they paint is not a masterpiece. It's just progress. It's just part of it. So I love that quote that you shared there, Daisy. That's really powerful. It's also really difficult, I think, especially when you do get into the creative elements. And I suppose, you know, creative doesn't have to necessarily mean something that you typically think of as creative, like painting or music or whatever it is. But you build it up into this it's this whole cycle with the perfectionism and the procrastination is that you put it up on a pedestal almost like I've been doing this with the garden design that I'm doing for somebody and I'm very good at having those initial ideas and it all floats around in my head and I've kind of got it up there but when it comes to putting it down on the paper and I have this when you talk about there's this split between having all these admin tasks so I can actually then, it's, it's quite interesting actually, I should have more of these creative projects that need doing because I find it easier then to focus on the, the more, the in some ways easier things to just focus on and get through like, you know, some batches of editing or something like that. Focus on that. One, it gives you a big feel good tick in that you're feeling really productive, but you're getting through all that to free up this prime time to work on this creative project, this creative masterpiece that you've put up on a pedestal and you, you need to free up some quality time for it. And then when it comes to it and you freed up that time and it's so hard. <laughs> but having said that, when you do actually make a start and you just, you break that initial well, it's the inertia, isn't it? It's all about trying to get some momentum and starting to get going. And almost inevitably, when you actually start doing it, it's not quite as big and difficult, as dramatic as you've made it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think especially if what's holding you back is the self-judgment the fear of judgment by others about your work. It won't measure up. It won't be good enough. I could do better. But if you can get rid of that perfectionistic expectation and really just focus on, you know, what you described of just taking the steps, you'll get feedback. Mm. And I think most of us find that once we can start taking the, the steps, we feel capable. Yeah even if the steps are difficult. I recently started fasting again after I hadn't been fasting for a little while. And the first day it was like, oh, I don't know, this maybe this is too hard for me. And then after a certain number of hours, it's like, oh yeah, I know how to do this, I can do this. And then got that momentum going again. Mm. Yeah, momentum is key, I think. I think that first part that you were talking about, the forgiveness, I imagine that's probably one of the most difficult areas for people. And it made me think when you were talking about it, tying back in with that third one with the integrity element, but the following through, you know, when you say you're going to do something and do it 
And it made me think of with the forgiveness, it made me think about episodes that we've recorded. I think it was one of the ones that you brought about apology. It was Brene Brown and I can't remember who was that episode we talked about when they were all, they were talking about apologies. And it's one of the things that always really stuck with me was that an apology is meaningless if you don't change. So there's no point saying sorry for something if you then go on to just keep doing it over and over and over again. That that apology becomes absolutely meaningless. And I suppose one way to look at it with forgiveness is that it's all very easy to kind of say you forgive yourself. But if you don't make the change that shows that you have, it kind of feels a bit empty and hollow like that sort of hollow apology so I suppose always really focusing on the what you were talking about about learning something from it making it easier to let go but showing that showing that yourself especially if you're talking about self-forgiveness but showing yourself proving to yourself that you've learned something from it by what happens with your actions after that How does that dictate that? Or do you just keep doing the same thing over and over again? That's why you end up, you know, beating yourself up because I just keep doing that. And then you become, well, I'm just that kind of person. Mm. It becomes your identity and it gets into those kind of cycles. Really difficult. So yeah, it can be something easy to say that you forgive yourself, but it has to have this follow through element. Yeah, it's like you really do need to disentangle from the grips of it. And again, it doesn't mean you lost the message of it or the lesson of it, mm. but you're not being held down by the emotional heaviness of it. Because you're just not going to believe yourself otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're telling, you know, you're telling me that you forgive me, but, but. Mm-hmm. You saying that also reminds me, Daisy, um, I've used this quote a lot recently in my work, but A functional medicine person that I follow on social media, Dr. Will Cole, he has this meme that he shares once in a while that I think is so powerful. And he says, you can't heal a body that you hate. Mm. And I think that concept applies here. You You can't root for yourself when you're still blaming yourself. Mm. You can't see your potential when you're hating on yourself. You can't move in a positive direction forward when you're holding yourself stuck in place. And to me, this, it just really reminds me, I I wouldn't describe myself as someone who sits in a lot of self-hate, but I know there are messages floating around in my head. I hear them often and I say them and share them that are critical, that are limiting. They hold me back. They tell me what I'm not capable of doing. And they're coming from me. Even if I learned them somewhere else, they're now coming from me. Mm. And there's this um, guided meditation that I listened to a lot recently. And in it, he says, and I am the only one thinking in my mind right now. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I'm the one holding on to these things. I'm the one holding myself back being incongruent in my values and it's so easy isn't it to have that critical slant as your default position i mean look what we're before we started recording 
I shared with you a, a comment on a YouTube video and we both heard it in a completely different way. You heard it as being critical of what you were doing and I heard it as being critical of what I was doing or not doing whatever, you know, you get the, mm -hmm. you get the drift. One thing said, <laughs> two mm -hmm. very different things heard. <laughs> yep. And just to clarify, this was feedback about a, a previous episode and Daisy shared it with me, just shared, you know, some comments and I could hear it in your voice when you shared it. It was like, oh, this is pointing out what I'm not doing well with on this podcast. And I'm like, oh, really? Because I heard it to be saying, what, what's Terry doing here? Shouldn't she have been doing, you know, um, like you said, same exact sentences we heard, mm. but we had our own bias in, in how we were interpreting it. And it's very telling, isn't it? When your mm -hmm. default position is to be self-critical. Mm-hmm. We clearly both need to work on that. <laughs> I think so. I, I think this is an episode you and I may need to listen to a few times. Um, we may need to dig into a little more of his work, but um, I think it's, it's really a great place to start. Yes, I shall do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> In the meantime, I hope you have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye.